0: Changes are underway, Ryan Day not messing around after missing the playoff. We'll talk about what's happening with the staff in Columbus in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Genter Johnny, one thing that appears to be clear is that Ryan Day is taking a much different tack from his predecessor, Urban Meyer, in terms of addressing deficiencies on the field through quick, and uh, I, I would say pretty impressive. Staff replacements so far, at least, you know, until we see how it plays out on the field, The, the initial returns are, uh, Ryan Day sees a problem with his team in a season. Most people would say went pretty well when you, you know, have a 10 win season, win a Rose bowl and man, two coaches already off to greener pastures much different era than it, than, than under Urban Meyer. It feels like you wrote about it this week at uh, 11 mm-hmm. warriors.com, a fine website. Our listeners may be familiar with what's your take on Ryan day's approach to getting business
1: done. Yeah. I, <laughs> one of the things that I always advocate for is, you know, cut and bait. If, if it's just not, something's not working out it's particularly in, in any kind of sports, but like that, I think a lot of times what happens is, is that coaches or maybe just administrators or people like gms or whatever in in any sport they make a big investment in something and they want to see that investment pay off and so if you draft a first round pick like they're going to get a lot more chances even if they're terrible they're going to get a lot more chances than somebody who was drafted in the sixth round or something like that And it's because you invest a lot of money and time and you want to see something pay off i think that happens with coaching hires sometimes too where it's like okay well you know, we vetted this guy, we think he's really great. We we gotta give him X amount of seasons before we can feel good about making a change. And watching Ryan Day kind of go, like, nope, sorry, we lost two games. That's unacceptable. Lost to Michigan, that can never happen again. And so he goes out and hires, you know, basically the, the hottest name on the defensive coordinator market, and then brings in an offensive line coach who's really well regarded, also somebody who has connections with him personally you know and and i guess you could maybe be wary about that but i think justin Fry's really established his bona fides elsewhere it's not like he's just some rando dude coming in that ryan day knows he's not getting um,
0: hired because he was the best man at ryan day's wedding in other no
1: words. <laughs> right exactly um and so Dra, you know the thing is i don't think he was terrible at his job or anything like that i mean we we can talk about care uh, Holmes and, and say okay this guy just clearly was not suited to be a defensive that, that was a, that was
0: a Peter Principal situation if ever I <laughs> yes, saw one 100 much much like head. the Ed Warren situation it felt like uh yeah. not so many years ago mm-hmm.
1: I think in a lot of ways I think that's very similar and you know Sadrawa is is not that I mean the guy is not like some terrible coach but his unit underperformed particularly when it came to the running game and you know he's had some personal health issues which I think complicates things a little bit and it makes it harder for someone to be as cutthroat with a guy who's clearly dealing with some you know personal health issues that's hard like I don't know I mean that's I think a lot of people would take that in consideration and maybe they should um but Ryan Day's got a really itchy trigger figure right now and I I don't know I kind of respect the hell out of it. it it takes guts to do that especially in a sport like football where so much of this is like there's a good old boy network. It's all relationship based. You have to worry about, Oh, what are people going to think if I do? Ryan, Day doesn't seem to care about any of that. And so he's making some really bold moves that even if they don't work out, you have to at least appreciate that. He's like willing to, to make that kind of statement, especially as a really young head coach without a lot of clout. And, he, and he's still getting it done. That, that's impressive to me.
0: The Nell situation and, <clears throat> and carry Combs, Matt Barnes, like that that one was i think a great example of here's an obvious problem and i'm going to go out and hire the very best person available right to fix this problem like right. that that seems to be a universally heralded um, hire like nobody's saying boy i don't know about that one you know the returns <laughs> yeah. so far are are all very very good and the yeah. purpose of the pudding oklahoma state's defense was fantastic this year uh and and niles has a track record of it and oh by the way and we'll talk about this Uh, In a minute, he's bringing some personnel with him uh, Mm -hmm. to Columbus already, which, which you love the coach stud situation. I I will admit caught me off guard and I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute, just for the hell of it. Sure. This was the best offense in the country. Uh, How many times did uh, CJ, CJ Stroud get sacked this season? I think you can almost count them on, on one or two hands. Uh, There was a lengthy stretch of the year where, that offensive line looked like a legitimate contender for the Joe Moore award. Um, the, the award for the best offensive line in the country, Mm -hmm. I, I guess I was a little surprised, uh, that that stud is off looking for a new job somewhere. And, and yet at the, at the same token, by the same token, it's not just teaching the position, right? The, the role is much bigger than that. Recruiting is a part of it, you know? So you're bringing in, in Justin Fry, a young guy who seems to be really well regarded by people in Westwood, uh, players and, and, um, coaches alike highly regarded as one of the top line coaches. And, and as you mentioned, does have some connection to today at previous stops in Temple and Boston college. Uh, one hopes, I saw some folks chatter about this, you know, that you hope it's not the, the urban Meyer nepotism school. I really don't think that's the case here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like these two were, you know, drinking buddies in college or something. And that's the reason that Fry's coming to Columbus. But I, I will admit I was a little surprised because I think we were all focused on the changes that needed to happen on the defensive side of the ball, more so than the offense. You and I talked at length about the running game in, in mm-hmm. particular. So maybe this is a logical extension of that. Uh, I, I, I still, looked and said, man, that was an awful good offensive line this year. It wasn't like you'd say that was a real weakness for the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, I think that's a completely fair point of view because you're right. I mean, this is (laughs) like, yes, you can complain and nitpick about certain elements of the offense, but overall, whatever was working with Ohio State was pretty much coming from the offense and then therefore the offensive line was doing their job for the most part. So I agree with you. I mean it's that's not a bad point to make. I can understand why somebody might be a little itchy when it comes to um recruiting and things like that, but yeah, I it's it's not that I would be wary at the hire at all because like you said Justin Fry is pretty darn well regarded in what he does. Um but I do think it's interesting the, the extent to which um, Ohio State and its pursuit of excellence demands those kind of moves. And, and by Ohio State, I mean just like the expectations that are for the program. You know what I mean? Like it, this is in the comparison that I made in the, the piece that I wrote is to Michigan. And the reason why I made that comparison is because, you know, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh made some incredibly productive, impactful, smart moves. Uh, at the end of last offseason, in terms of, of coaching personnel, he brought in some guys who really, really helped them out. Uh, but he did it, you know, going into year seven after many years of underperformance and failures and things like that, where he just kind of shrugged his shoulders at it, like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um so I guess maybe that's what it takes. It, it takes that kind of mentality to say, you know what, if this isn't working to the to the level that we expect, then we got to cut bait, even if it's a guy who isn't necessarily terrible at his job, right? Like there's, there's other parts of this that we expect to be done at a certain level. And if you're not making it, we don't think you're going to make it, then that's it. You got to be out. So I hope Sadra lands someone else or lands somewhere else and and you know is able to continue what he's doing because he's not a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but maybe he just wasn't the right coach for Ohio State. Um,
0: I, I think one of the things this uh move says to me as an observer is that Ryan Day takes very seriously the idea that he's not competing to win Big Ten championships and New Year's Six Bowl games. He's competing to win national championships because right. this exactly. feels like a move nick saban would make yep. at alabama to say hey you know what this area wasn't good enough we're we're going to get better or yep. this person isn't recruiting at a high enough level we're going to get better and mm-hmm. that's i mean that that sort of ruthlessness uh you know that it's not it's not all sunshine and dewdrops. dew drops. you got to go out and pay the rent every single day so so i i think if i'm an observer uh i I'm on board with this in a big way. I, yeah. it, it still it still caught me off guard because I I was really laser focused in on what's happening with regard to the defense. So let's talk about that for a minute. Jim Knowles, as we mentioned, be the new defensive coordinator, and and you know that can't happen a minute too soon, given how woefully inefficient and insufficient Ohio State's defense was over the past year. Knowles isn't just bringing his Uh, coaching abilities, his, his teaching, his scheme, but also bringing bodies, Oklahoma state transfer safety, Tanner McAllister committing to Ohio state. Well, number one, Ohio state definitely uh, would be happy to have another four star defensive back in, in the mix. That that certainly is a good thing Uh, to me. This move spoke volumes about uh, the fact that players really like playing for this guy, which, you know, if Mm -hmm. you've read any of the coverage, you get the sense this is one of those players coaches as as uh 100 uh, they talk about but the fact that he's got a guy you know on his heels can't get here fast enough really i think adds some more uh you know credence to this idea that this is a really good hire for ohio state is that is that how you read this as well yeah even, even setting aside you know the the jimmies and joes <laughs> itself but just the bigger picture
1: yeah, I absolutely I agree 100% with that. And and to your point about him being a players coach, I think that is dead on. I mean, you saw, especially on, on social media with all you know his former players, even current players, going like, go get it, man. We're like, we love you. You're awesome. You're going to be great wherever you go. You're great at Ohio State. I mean, he's just very, he's clearly beloved by the players that he's coached. And I think that's awesome. Um, that says a lot. First of all, if you're going to be a cutthroat guy like Ryan Day and hire whoever, and I'm going to go out and poach whoever I need to to make this the best team, poach dudes who people love, right? Because yeah. seriously, though, because at least then, okay, you could be like Irma, I'm just going to hire the biggest, meanest, you know, badasses in the world. Well, fine, but I don't know how sustainable that is. You want to bring in a guy who's going to help your culture? It looks like you just did. And I think that's fantastic. I, I love that. And You know, speaking of McAllister, I mean, this is a guy who people need to learn his name and maybe learn a bit more about him as a player because he's going to be starting. The guy doesn't, you know, somebody doesn't transfer with one year of eligibility to sit the bench or to compete for a spot. So he's building the defense that he wants to see on Saturdays, and it's it's already started. So that to me is really cool to see, too, because that means that the process of that is going to be pretty front and center. From now until the first game of the 2022 season, I think that's cool. We get to watch that right up and close and personal. That's neat. Yeah, a, a 195 ninety five pound
0: prospect, as I mentioned, was a four star coming out of high school. Uh, had 123 total tackles at Oklahoma State, twelve passes broken up, and an interception. You know, he's. Uh, I, I let me say, let me clarify what I say. He's a four star in the transfer ratings. He was a three star out of out of Texas in the class of. 2018 so you know the fact that he is more highly regarded now than he was coming out of school certainly uh speaks volumes the other, the other thing I really like about this too is there been I think some hue and cry about some comments Ryan Day made earlier in the offseason or, or in the in the bowl prep uh, interviews and he talked about the transfer portal and uh you know team culture and fit and all that sort of thing and, and people really read I think a lot more into that maybe that oh Ryan Day is not going after people in the transfer portal because he doesn't want to you know upset some of the prima donnas on the team or something along those lines. Oh yeah, and maybe that's what he was saying is that we got to be careful. Uh, I, I think recruiting your own team is uh, a much harder thing now than it was a few years ago because guys can take a flyer and
1: oh yeah, that's with, absolutely true. I w- yeah, whatever I one thousand percent agree with that.
0: But I also think Ryan Day's proven that he's going to go and get. The guys in the transfer portal that are worth getting right is that is that is that your take as well i mean i don't feel like he's not going after players he wants or needs because he's afraid
1: no i i think he seems very utilitarian he seems like a guy who has to he will do what he has to do he'll cut bait when he has to cut bait and he doesn't seem particularly nostalgic i guess might be the word about things he doesn't seem you know very kind of locked into uh you know a romantic sense of the past that's not something that really appears to be part of his personality um so it's i i I can understand those comments even from you know a more cynical perspective but it really is just about winning and like you know you made the comparison a little bit earlier to nick saban nobody hymns and haws about Nick Saban's and granted, yeah, he's playing for a national championship right now <laughs> and, yeah. and he's won a trillion of them. So nobody's going to question his methods, but the, that's the point. I mean, nobody, you know, wrings their hands about whether or not Nick Saban is giving something an appropriate amount of thought or, you know, something along those lines when it comes to picking and choosing players or coaches or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I, I think if Ryan day if these decisions work out, if, you know, you bring in a defensive coordinator who ends up completely revamping your defense into the best in the car, then nobody's going to say boo because that's going to be, you know, that's going to be exactly what that move was designed to do. And it did what it was designed to do. And everybody's going to be super happy about it. So um, it's just, it's an interesting process to watch in part because I, I, there really is no comparison. It, you know, Urban Meyer, despite all his, you know, claims to the contrary <clears throat> was a very loyal guy to certain dudes and very slow to fire guys who uh, you know probably should have been fired much more quickly and had a lot of loyalty to certain players uh, not every player of course but definitely certain players to the point of sometimes hurting his team so uh, we're not seeing that so much with ryan day and i kind of i'm kind of i'm here for it i think it's kind of cool yeah the things that uh, you know
0: i I'm really interested to see is what else happens in terms of of changes on right. The defensive <laughs> it's <staff>. January 10th. <laughs> well, and and you know that was one of the other reasons I think that the Stadawala firing was so surprising to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, number number one that the offense was was exceptional, so firing an offensive coach seemed jarring. Uh, although when you look at and say you know this season. Ohio state averaged 4.86 yards per carry against top 50 defenses. That was, you know, I think a yard and a half or, yeah, just a little, little, just a little more than a yard uh, off their average against its other eight opponents that weren't top 50 defenses. Um, you know, five yards to carry is not terrible, right? But Ohio state's used to seven yards a carry. Maybe right. Six and a half. Yards so, yeah, carry. Exactly. yeah. You know, So, so it's not, it's, it's not terrible, but you know, not, not the standard i guess but the defensive side of the ball i you know i think a lot of people are looking and saying okay well what's uh washington doing next year uh what's Kerry combs doing next year and so far uh no word on that yet you know is larry johnson Mm -hmm. next season is larry johnson retiring it feels like there have been these rumors percolating for about three seasons now that larry johnson could retire whenever he feels like it Um, to me, he's the greatest that's ever done it. So I hope he's, you know, not retiring anytime soon, but there, there are still questions in my mind about what Ryan day and, and Jim Knowles do about the staffing and who does what Knowles is known as a linebacker guy. So it would make sense if he handles that position group, does Kerry Combs stay on staff as the, the guy who goes back to doing what he did well with all those first rounders he put in the league, uh, in, in the best in America backfield, you know, I, i don't know i i'm really what, what's going on behind the scenes that we're we're not hearing about do you think that
1: i couldn't even begin to guess
0: <laughs> come on get that crystal ball out my man we're i mean honestly telling you
1: the stuff with larry johnson i mean the guy's what 70 at this point right yes yeah, i mean there, yeah somewhere
0: in there
1: like, we would love to believe that he would coach forever forever ever forever ever forever? but like forever um but i i mean i could see him retiring i could see how washington moving down to dl as some people have suggested um you know that's the thing man there's a lot of stuff that still has to shake out carrie combs he can coach dbs i I think we've seen that i don't think he can he's incapable of that um but i just there's still a lot of moving parts to this right now and part of it too I think is getting getting your new defensive coordinator on campus, right? Sitting down, talking personnel, figuring all that stuff. I mean, we're still pretty early in that process. I I, I think they'll continue to, make but I'm an Ohio state fan. It.
0: I want it now. <laughs>
1: well, you just got a lot. <laughs> you got a lot and, and there'll be more shuffling. And if, Let's put it this way. If if a guy like and this is a big if, but if a guy like Larry Johnson decides he's he's mosing on off and going to enjoy retirement, he gets to call that shot. Yeah, he's not going to get rushed into that decision and he's going to be able to tell everyone on the planet, um, you know, when that happens, when he feels like telling people that so that's one element of it that i don't think can be underestimated because nobody's going to be pushing him out the door you, you can't probably couldn't physically do it and you wouldn't want to do it anyway because of his you know stature in the sport and the respect that he commands so um that's probably part of it and you know some of it too is just availability and and maybe overall, especially if Ryan day has connections in the NFL, that kind of stuff. What happens this week, right? There's a lot of chaos in coaching right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it'll be curious to see maybe, maybe some more major stuff happens this week after the dust kind of settles after the championship and after, you know, bloody Monday in the NFL. Um, but man, well, I,
0: and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because there's a part of me that wonders if, you know, that's not what Ryan day obviously has great connections in, in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, so, you know, there's a part of me that wonders, okay, are there NFL guys he's talking to, Hey, are there guys on Nick Saban or Kirby smart staff that he's talking Maybe. to, you know, you, I, I, I'm not putting any news out there for, no, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, you know, it makes you wonder because you're, you're not part of your privy to those conversations. It, it, it felt like, okay, the nails hire came quick and mm-hmm. was a huge splash. And then there are these other dominoes that it's just like, oh gosh, we've been waiting forever for these to drop. It's really only about two weeks, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the I, feel, Al Washington... I mean, it feels like an eternity because it's college football and, you know, you know, everything goes a mile a minute, but yeah, exactly.
0: And, and the Al Washington thing, you know, is interesting because he's been the linebackers coach for the three seasons he's been here. But if if people haven't paid attention to his biography, you know, he was a, Uh, four-year letterman as a defensive tackle for Boston College Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know this is a he's a D lineman by training and prior to uh, taking on the role of linebackers coach um, at that school up north he had been essentially a D-line coach everywhere he'd been you know starting as a a grad assistant back you know at the end of his playing days right Um, was really only a linebacker coach one other place he spent a season as a linebackers coach at elon university before going back
1: to boston Ooh. college elon elon being my choice of dynasty for uh ncaa <laughs> 07 or whenever the last time that i actually played through was. it's a small world, after all
0: friends you know yeah. that was a but but at boston college was d-line coach uh two different seasons d-line coach at cincinnati prior to going to michigan Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been linebackers coach ever since. So he, so he has that background. I, you know, it's you, you, you would worry, I guess, about the drop-off from a guy like Larry Johnson to anyone, anyone else. Um, but I, I think given how maligned the linebackers have been this season in particular, um, you know, maybe people would have some questions about that. If that move is one, that's a real move yeah. and not just, you know, random, right internet i agree with
1: you there's precedent there and i don't think people should be as concerned and people may freak out but i i I agree with you i don't think people should lose their minds if that's the case because first of all you can't have like some transitive property between coaching positions necessarily um i mean you can say that okay well maybe somebody's just a bad teacher or something like that but you're right his background helps support that move if that's what happens yeah yeah you're not going to make ryan hartline the
0: offensive line coach and expect the same level no but you will make him
1: the passing game coordinator was that a great segue or what did you you like that (laughs) it is it's a fantastic segue and also a fantastic uh move to to just maybe bump him up in stature a little bit give him a little bit more cash you know there were rumors obviously that notre dame was going after the dude Mm -hmm. keep him in columbus he's the best positional coach in america for my money absolutely um, absolutely any position uh, yeah, I, I, that's another. You know, we're talking about Ryan Day making some shrewd moves. That's that's not necessarily like, you know, a cutthroat, you know, Wall Street kind of thing. It's not the greed is good thing. It that that's a very shrewd, games of thronian kind of. You know what I mean? That's that's a very clever, smart thing to do. And uh, keeping Brian Hartline in Columbus is a must for Ryan Day. And making him the passing game coordinator. Hey, whatever it takes, man. I, I don't know what that exactly means. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like Brian Hartline probably already had a pretty significant, you know, say-so in that kind of stuff. But uh if if that's considered a promotion for him, then more more, you know, more power to him, so be yeah, it. Yeah,
0: it's it's
1: it's a great move. I
0: agree with you wholeheartedly smart by uh smart by Ryan Day to do that and and lock in a guy who has meant a tremendous amount to the program, you know, not just as a as a player, but his coaching tenure has been an unqualified success. Oh, yeah. Uh, such so he was named the wide receivers coach of the year by footballscoop.com. Uh I, and I, I gotta say this, I was really surprised that he wasn't a finalist for the Broyles Award, given the unanimous acclaim that mm-hmm. this was the best wide receiver core in the country. You have three first-round picks in in my mind that that were starting all all year long in in Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, and and maybe one or two more behind them, you know, in the wings. Uh Josh Gaddis of Michigan, the offensive coordinator there and wide receivers coach won the Broyles Award. Uh Jim Knowles, the soon to be or or I guess now officially defensive coordinator at Ohio State, uh, was one of the finalists. I I, I just I don't think you can say good, enough good things about Brian Hartline and what he's done, uh, in his young tenure. So very smart move by Ryan day, amping him up as, as passing game coordinator. Th- those are the kind of moves when coupled with what we talked about at the top of the program, uh, about being very decisive in your personnel decisions with regard to firing. If something's not working out that, that to me are the, the marks that day gets it as a coach that his, his job as CEO of the program, so to speak, uh, that he gets. It's not just the the
1: things that happen on the field on Saturday. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, when you're a head coach, I mean, you're really in a lot of ways kind of functioning as a GM too. Although I will say, you know, I thought about this um, during all of these, these moves and hirings and whatnot. I don't think Ryan Day is doing this all on his lonesome either you know what i mean like i would have to believe that a guy like gene smith you know or mark pantoni or some of these other guys probably have a decent amount of say so in this kind of stuff and are part of that conversation too Mm -hmm. um i think it'd be foolish not to especially when you've got a guy like gene smith who's i think inarguably i don't i don't know how anybody would say otherwise the most powerful and, and probably significant um ad in america like that that also says something um So, you know, a lot of it has to kind of work in concert, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) there's there's a lot that has to be going. Everybody has to be on the same page, all that kind of stuff. That's a hard thing to pull off. And Ohio State institutionally is able to do that in a lot of ways that other programs can't because that's what the demand is. And that's what we mean when we talk about excellence and, and being able to make those types of quick decisions, because that's the standard. You have the apparatus in place to do it it would be foolish not to take advantage of that. Um, and if we're going to make another segue, I, I think another program in the Big Ten that's not as equipped to do that is, is Michigan. And again, Jim Harbaugh made some really, really good coaching moves, You know, hiring uh, Gattis in the offseason and, and, and really revamping his, his coaching staff in general. But I don't know that if Michigan has to undergo another significant hiring cycle, if, if Jim Harbaugh ends up, you know, being tempted by the NFL and, and leaves, I don't know that they're actually really equipped to make another big time change, another really positive one. It, that seems to me like where they would have to, I feel like they would panic. I think they would promote from within maybe Gaddis gets the head coaching job, which who knows that could work out for them, but I don't, that to me does not seem like the same kind of um, institutional I guess the word would be intentionality, right? That they operate with that maybe Ohio State does have. So I I'm very fascinated with this offseason for Michigan because even if Jim Harbaugh stays, they got a lot that they have to replace. They're losing, I think right now a- including uh graduates, NFL draftees and transfers. They're losing something like I think 13 to 15 guys on the defensive side of the ball alone. Um that's a big deal. Well, so it's going to be a really fascinating offseason for that team look at it
0: this way ohio state's had more misses on the defensive side of the ball at the skill positions linebackers maybe would be the most most uh, obvious than than they've had on the offensive side of the ball and where do you see the weaknesses it's 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 where they've had those recruiting misses yeah. now you look at at exactly what you're saying with with michigan there this this to me felt like their make or break year that mm-hmm. This was Harbaugh's best shot to beat Ohio State um, because you had a very young Ohio State team with some obvious defensive deficiencies. And the Michigan team, uh, the, the, you know, they were stocked with those seniors. You yep. Guys like Hutchinson is a great example who are, you know, clear first round picks. Um, but behind them, the coverage fairly bare for yeah. a program trying to compete with Ohio State or Alabama, Georgia for playoff spots, you know, and, and for a long time now, it's felt like Michigan is not competing with Ohio state anymore. Not, not, not in a real meaningful way. They've been so far behind for so long and to your point about their institutional ability to make the kind of decisions and operate with the kind of, of verve that Ohio state does. Uh, I mean, just look at their coaching hires since Jim Tressel broke the program. Mm -hmm. i I mean look at the look at the time it took them to get to a guy like carball number one who at least you know looked like okay this could be a a potentially successful marriage and now it's taken the better part of a decade for it to bear fruit you know no other school i think would have would have tolerated that uh, as long as Michigan has with, with Harbaugh, that's just sort of like, well, well <laughs> I mean, Ohio state did with Cooper,
1: obviously, but you know, that's, that was a different era. Exactly. And and if Michigan wants to be, you know, okay, well, Jim Harbaugh's are John Cooper, that's great. I guess if that's, if that's what you aspire to, then that's fine. And it looks like, honestly, Michigan fans are kind of okay with that in a large part, you know, online and in comments and threads and all that kind of stuff and in articles, um, I see Michigan fans going, yeah, I'm pretty okay with this. And it's like, if that's what you're fine with, if you're okay with occasionally beating Ohio state and maybe winning a big 10 championship every 15 years, then fine. That's who you are. Okay. Congratulations. That's great. Um, But that's not where Ohio state is. And that's why I mean that it's so fascinating because Michigan, they have the capability to have the same standards as Ohio state. Now, they don't have the same winning, which is, makes it a lot more difficult, obviously. But their facilities are top notch, right? They've got all the money in the world. They still have a massive recruiting uh, reach. It's not like they they can only recruit in the Ann Arbor area, and that's where all their play. Like, no, they don't need to do that. So they've got all the same kind of advantages that Ohio State does. Um, They just need to figure out a way to actually weaponize them. And, and that's what I find so incredibly interesting about this past season for Michigan because they did for for one season they took a a personnel in terms of players they, they took their roster and maximized their potential their coaches did an incredible job they had some pretty obvious deficiencies that were exposed when they got to the playoffs but you know what a lot of teams have that and that's not a crime right the problem is is that when you have a fan base that's completely okay with that being a one-off every decade and an administration that says, okay, well that's as good as it's going to get. And then a coaching staff that, you know, Harbaugh dips and says his job is done. If, if that's it, then that's it. You're not going to be able to win a national championship or win in the big 10 consistently or beat Ohio state consistently, because you've already made your piece with this being the absolute best that it can get. The absolute best that it can get in the big 10 is what Ohio state's been doing. If you don't think that you can do that fine. But I guess what bothers me is that Michigan fans seem to have made their peace with making excuses for why it's not possible instead of trying to figure out how they could do it too. And that's what really is irritating about that program and that fan base in general, because they'd rather make excuses than try to achieve what Ohio State has.
0: They always default to Ohio State's cheating in some way. Ohio State's oh, yeah. doing something. I mean, there's always some nefarious, <laughs> right. you know, set of externalities that have nothing to do with their own program. Now, the momentum appears to be building more and more uh, over the course of, uh, you know, wild card or la- last weekend into the wild cards that hardball to the NFL is is, is real. You know, you had reports last week. Uh, Bruce Feldman at the athletic city, he was hearing that Harbaugh quote might be tempted to leave Michigan and return to the NFL sources, both from the NFL and at Michigan said, they, they think it's real. Then you Mm -hmm. had the story this week that Harbaugh
1: was telling a top recruit that he would entertain by the way, props to him props to him for being that honest actually i i really again i think harbaugh is a weird dude and there's a lot of things you can criticize about the guy but seriously props to him for answering a question like that honestly because that's not something a lot of coaches would would do so i actually i got to give him credit for that i mean there's
0: one that you know there's a part of me that says because he's such a a weird quirky dude that that type of honesty sort of is in character that because no other you know quote unquote normal coach would tell a kid they're trying to recruit. Oh yeah, I may not be here. Um, and by the you way, he totally come recruit. here anyway. R- right, right. But you should totally come anyway. I I think the, I think the other part of it is though the sport has changed so much because of NIL and the portal and it, and it seems like hey, you know what, you can go wherever you want. There are not any repercussions. <laughs> that's who, that's who a good point. That that I think that kind of honesty is sort of like. I, Why I wouldn't want, you say that? Yeah, I, because because they know kids aren't stupid. Right. They, they they know I mean you see coaches I mean at Christmas look at this coaching carousel season right you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you had you had Brian Kelly skipping out on Notre Dame <laughs> before <laughs> yeah. the playoffs right normal in a normal you know type of of postseason scenario that wouldn't have happened until after the playoff that right. that wouldn't have happened in, until but you know here here you had Marcus Freeman making his coaching debut <laughs> because the previous head coach was like, nah, they're going to pay me more money. See you guys. Bye. (laughs) So, so I, I wonder if we'll see more of that type of honesty just because the recruits, they're they're not stupid. They know. Um, so what do you think? Hardball to the Raiders? That the most logical, the most sensible thing you you buy in the smoke. I,
1: (laughs) I will never try to read, uh, what's in the the mind of Jim Harbaugh um, or make predictions <laughs> based on the tea leaves that I might read. Cause honestly, I, he may not even know at this point, he might be calling dudes and saying like, Hey, would you be on a staff? And then maybe he changes his mind the last minute. I, I think the guy is such a wild card in terms of that kind of thing that to me, it's always going to be 50, 50 until he ultimately makes a decision. Um, I think there is smoke. I, I would not be surprised if he was like, you know i want to this may be my last shot my my cache as a coach has never been higher it may not ever be this high again at michigan i need to leverage that into a really good situation in the nfl and and look let's say it's the raiders not a bad place to land right now right i mean you, what take over a wild card playoff team that that's not some huge crazy rebuilding project or anything like that so um yeah I, I think it's definitely a possibility but like i said it's also equally possible that the last second he says screw it i'm staying in ann arbor um i just i <laughs> i really don't think maybe even he knows exactly what's good what he's going to do in the end so well um, i mean a couple scenarios here right on the one hand this could all just be a a, a clever agent ploy oh sure give me my four million dollars back right yeah took right
0: me. right because this was his you know this was his Hey, I'm taking a pay cut to prove to y'all. And he and he earned his bonuses and to his credit, again, because we we cramp on Harbaugh a lot to his credit. My if I'm recalling the story correctly, he donated all of his bonuses to um staffers who had their pay cut because yep. of the pandemic, which he you did. know, stand up thing to do. Uh kudos to him. i I I like that. Um on the other hand, you know, so on the one, on the one hand, you say, well, this is all just agent. Uh, agent work, you know, you're leaking some stories to get Michigan to cough up more money, uh, putting back on his old contract, maybe give him the James Franklin handshake. Who knows? Uh, on the other hand, I, I mean, I I would look at this if I'm him. He knows what his roster looks like. He has to know. Hey, this was my best chance. We got smoked in the playoff, but I, I'm getting a chance to go out with a win on Ohio State. Uh, those those don't come easy. And i can go back to the league where i don't have to worry about all of this other crap you know right. you've got you know, and let's and let's be honest about this while while i think you and i are both fully in favor favor of the sort of like passing glance at at some form of equity that we've seen with the arrival of nil and the and the portal uh that that players have that they didn't have two three years ago even. Uh, mm-hmm. it's chaos right now if you're a head football coach like, oh, yeah. there's got to be an obscene amount of stress dealing with all this i don't think i would blame a guy like harbaugh one whit if he says y'all
1: can keep this nonsense <laughs> i'm
0: gonna go and cash my millions in sin city peace out
1: homies yeah no i i agree with you it is definitely a new world and, and maybe not one that he feels like he signed up for when he you know went back to the college ranks so i mean you know and that's the other thing a guy like ryan day I think a guy like Ryan day probably is a little more, I don't want to say equipped, but maybe he has a better sense of these things and, and isn't as i uh, I don't know, isn't as stuck in, in, like, okay, well, I played in the eighties and I came of age in the nineties and the early two thousands. That's the way college football should be. Maybe Ryan day as a younger dude. Doesn't quite have that same kind of mentality, um, but I don't know. Maybe he does. It, it, I guess my point, my only real point here is that I agree with you. Jim Harbaugh when you start out kind of like in the college ranks you go to the NFL maybe you're going to compare the two if that if it is what i'm saying okay yeah. so i can totally understand why um you know he he might view it as as less than favorable <laughs> dealing with NIL and all this other stuff and going now no, just... the
0: trade offs is you know it's it's put up or shut up in the league right we talked about bloody monday earlier yeah. uh, you know in two or three seasons If you're not, I mean, four at the most, right. If you're not getting to the playoffs and and making something happen, uh, you're, you're, you're off to greener pastures, uh, by hook or by crook. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's one of those things where Michigan has proven, Hey, they're willing to let you hang around for the better part of the decade, kind of getting your crap together. You, You know, that, that is not a situation he would necessarily have anywhere uh he went you know in the nfl depends on on your ownership and so on you might think that he's got a little more cachet with the davis family and such than uh than he would otherwise but we'll we'll see let's move on before we get to ask us anything talk a little bit about uh, the college football playoff we we should acknowledge that as we are recording this episode the uh, national football championship game between alabama and georgia is just getting underway Uh, so we're, we're not going to spend a great deal of time talking about it because by the time you hear this, uh, the, the, um, champions will be declared. Alabama will have won its 47th national (laughs) title. Uh, I (laughs) teased, I teased, I teased my pick for the game. How's that? Uh, but the playoff itself had some interesting news on Monday and that was that surprise, surprise, the playoff committee still can't reach an agreement on expanding right. the playoff. The thing that any sensible person can agree should happen. Ain't going to happen because the high muckety mucks in charge of this can't get their poop in a group. I'm going to guess that you <laughs> like me, were not surprised by no. this news, <laughs> but why are college football administrators and power brokers so bad at this? Because,
1: I don't know, because they don't have any kind of, I guess, maybe organizing principle that they might have had at one point um, back in the day where they you know, the NCAA had this like extreme kind of control over certain things and whatnot. Uh, I think you could claim that, well, we're all in this together. Everybody's playing by the same rule. Um I just don't think that exists anymore. And now it feels like a total free for all where these conferencers are kind of all acting in their own self-interests, which is fine because that's really, I mean, that's, that's the way it's kind of been just maybe a little more underhandedly in the past 20 years or so. But to me, it really feels like there's been this breakdown of this collegial sense between all these conferences. And so now everybody's like, well, I got to, you know, I got to network. You got a network, I'm I'm gonna poach your best, you know, two money making teams, blah blah blah. And so I don't think they have any real incentive on working together or um and trying to come up with anything coherent. And honestly, we're kind of lucky that we ended up getting the playoff anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh like at like at this point, because if they tried to to do that now, I don't think there's any way in hell that it uh it actually gets done. So no, I'm not surprised. And I, I don't see it happening, unfortunately, anytime soon, which really sucks because yeah. it, it needs to expand.
0: Bob Bullsby, who was the big 12 commissioner, uh, told Pete Thamel that we didn't even get close.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he yeah.
0: uh, he commented there were, um, people who were holding out for keeping it at four people who were holding out for eight people who were holding out for 12. Uh, he likened it to the movie groundhog day, And so expansion number one, before the current TV rights contract with ESPN expires in 24, 25, not going to happen. So 26 would be the earliest that would happen, which I I, I think it was always a long shot to see it expanding before 26, you know, ESPN certainly doesn't have any incentive to, you know, go back and put more money in the pot, which,
1: well, we'll see, we'll see what happens after the. They get the ratings back from this championship game, but we'll see how they. I I mean, you know, so to me, there's the big, there's the
0: big blinking light is one of the holdouts you can guarantee for keeping it at four. It'd be the Southeastern Conference because right now they're in the Catbird seat. They they know they have an automatic buy. Uh, an automatic bid into the the four team playoff, and they got two this year, and it's not the first time they've gotten two. Probably won't be the last time they've gotten two. So when you bring in things like bowls, automatic qualifiers, and revenue distribution, there there is one conference that clearly has a vested interest in keeping the status quo because the mm-hmm. status quo has been exceptionally good for the southeastern conference. And then you know these the 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 conference is the new alliance between the big 10 the pac-12 and the acc I, i don't think for as aligned as they're supposed to be i don't think they have the same incentives that that they should or the same uh goals and there's really the big problem is that you have the the 10 fbs commissioners plus notre dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick. It annoys the bejesus out of me that Notre Dame is the one school that gets its own seat at the table. Everybody else, you know, has to fit in with the other members of their conference, but, but Notre Dame gets its seat at the table on the CFP management committee. Um, And then of course the board of managers, there's 11 university presidents. So those are the joint groups that have to make this decision, right? They all have very different sets of incentives going on here and, and fans uh, I think should know that those incentives are not the same incentives that a fan has <laughs> for seeing expansion happen. Y'all just want
1: good football. That isn't necessarily what this. this <laughs> yeah. Is that's not about. their driving no. uh, impetus, right? That's not, that's not what they're really shooting for all the time.
0: It's all um, about the money.
1: It is. And you know, for the NCAA it, that, I don't know. It, <laughs> it's weird to me that anybody would be surprised that they weren't getting anything done. Cause it's, I mean, are they ever trying to get anything done i mean this like am i like would anybody be surprised by i would be surprised if something did happen honestly uh, at this point so i don't know man I, I hope eventually it does expand but um i think we're probably in for more you know sec one versus sec two games your
0: yeah. your allusion to the ratings i think it'll be huge to see we'll talk about that next week what the ratings were like for the yeah, game? yeah I'm, I'm really Alabama curious to see
1: how many people actually tune into this thing they got four channels going for this game and i like i don't know how many people are gonna be tuning into any of them yeah so
0: all right let's uh it's time for ask us anything before we get to some ohio state basketball news ask us anything and the Dubcast as a whole are brought to you by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com hats t-shirts stickers lots of new designs some really suave shirts if you missed getting some in time for the holidays take a moment now go to drygoods11 and stock up uh you will not be disappointed
1: there is some swaggy swag in the dry goods store what do you got in
0: the mailbag my friend
1: so we gotta uh by the way if you want to send us questions to ask us anything uh dubcast at 11warriors.com this is from matt and <laughs> He just want to say, uh, Ari James Laurinaitis um, heading off to South Bend, he's he's very salty about this, yeah. You and, and me and both, he, well, and that's fair too, because you know what, like apparently he was not uh really courted by Ohio State, and given his his track record as a, a player and the fact that he's just an incredibly solid guy, very intelligent, um, you would think they would have at least kicked the tires on that a little bit. So, I, I get that. Matt said, and this is actually back a few weeks ago, back in November, um, but he was saying, uh, you know, Laurenitis, A.J. Hawk, maybe even calling in Ed Orgeron if Larry Johnson retires. I wouldn't go that far, Matt. I I (laughs) keep that dude as as funny as his accent is. Let's keep him as far away as humanly possible from Ohio State's program. Um, I I really don't want to have to rehabilitate another, you know, allegedly – douchey guy uh on the coaching staff um but the point you know of bringing in some guys who clearly are are pretty good at their jobs and uh as as a player you know to kind of kind of you know help out with the actual coaching of that particular position makes sense you know michigan i will say this michigan did that with mike hart and i kind of scoffed at that because mike hart's running backs that he had coached at other places that really just not been very good. Yeah. Um But Michigan had a great running game this season and Mike Hart, I don't know how much credit you want to give him. I think a lot maybe needs to go to their offensive line, but um it, it makes sense. And, and there is definitely some, some juice there with fans where you're like, Oh, we're bringing back James Lauren. we're bring a little animal, bring back AJ Hawk. I mean, that's, that would get people excited. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's an automatic lock. I think you have to be good at teaching and that's really yeah. kind of the long and short of it. Not everybody is. Um, it's, it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> so, I think, I think Brian uh,
0: Hartline is the exception to the rule. Maybe, you know, in terms of a guy who comes in and right out of the gate is exceptional as yeah. a, as a former player, uh, you know, that you, because otherwise you would just see a bunch of guys you know, 10 years in the league and then show up at their alma mater. And, you know, wh- why don't you see that that often? You you know, there's a reason that you don't see that that often. It's because it's hard to do. Heartline has a has a great set of skills. Now, now, I think James Laurinaitis could be a guy who also has that same set of skills. Oh, sure. Uh, but we don't know. So I'm, I'm going to give Ryan Day the benefit of the doubt. I, I will say this. I, I like uh, the caller was salty at some of the implications that, Laurinaitis maybe didn't get the due consideration um mm-hmm. Ohio State has an army of staffers right all of these big time FBS programs particularly ones who are contending for playoff spots have an army of staffers so you bring him in as some sort of um of, of assistant uh, even if he's not one of the 10 coaches like I get you're not going to bring a guy in with no experience make making him a position coach mm-hmm. day one like that 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 would be unusual you got to go pay your dues somewhere but but you bring a guy like that in Uh, in some Mm -hmm. sort of staffing role that makes sense you don't let him walk off to a school that you're going to be competing with on the field and for recruits um, without at least having a call that said i can also empathize with ryan day when the linebacking unit is the big hole in the field for you Mm -hmm. um you and and if things aren't going well you don't want to have the fans ready to set couches on fire because you've got a beloved former linebacker uh and one of the top um tacklers uh, of his era in the nfl right mm-hmm. you know, sitting back there like doing quality control you know but so that I,
1: said i i will say you are competing against his best friend you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. that's and that's hard i mean yeah. if, if james lauren wanted to have that kind of role uh and i i know he's definitely going to have a lot of allegiance to ohio state well he's got a lot of allegiance to marcus freeman and with good reason i'm not hating on that at all you know that's totally understandable totally fair um but it's a different dynamic it's not just like he was some random dude just available or whatever um so i don't know I, there there are more things to maybe consider to that point although i guess you could argue that hey if they made the call a couple years ago then you don't have that problem but um i don't know it's just it's it's there's always more to it than than you think so but thank you for sending those questions in that was re- that was really good i appreciate uh, any and all questions that we get for the uh, 11 dubcast, cast for us anything especially the weird ones because we're approaching the offseason i mean we're not really in the offseason because you know basketball is important we got to talk about that but um the weirder the better that's all i'm saying
0: all right quick cows to wrap this thing up since uh, i was i was going to uh go right into basketball but since you mentioned marcus freeman we will we will talk about that what is the deal with marcus freeman uh he he <laughs> incensed ohio state fans uh, some weeks ago when he wrote a piece in the player's tribune, uh, where, where he made comments that, uh, thank God I didn't make the same, the wrong decision twice
1: mm-hmm.
0: in, in essence, saying that his decision to go to Ohio state as a recruit over Notre, Notre Dame was the wrong decision. He apologized, sort of not really without walking it back. Uh, but then this week w- opened his mouth and, and incensed Ohio state fans again, um, what's going on with Marcus Freeman? Is he just trying to win over Notre Dame fans or or does he have some sort of rock in his shoe about his time <laughs> in Columbus?
1: I don't think it's a rock in his shoe. I think he's just doing what, you know, an incoming head coach would want to do to generate some juice. And look, if you're a Midwestern football call you know, college football coach, the big dog in the Midwest is Ohio State, right? If you're trying to establish a brand and get into people's brains, and especially if you're at a place like Notre Dame, which already carries a lot of that cultural, you know, heft, right, among people, you want to remind people that you exist. And Brian Kelly had a lot of success, but he's not there now. And if I'm a new guy following that dude up, I'm going to say some stuff to try to get my brand out there to get people thinking about coming to my college. And I really think that's the extent. I don't think it's some kind of malicious thing or anything like that. It's, I, I think it's Marcus Freeman doing what most guys would do in that position I, I don't think it's terrible or anything like that and i don't you know i certainly don't hold a grudge about it or anything like that
0: it's gonna be really interesting storylines heading into the september game between the buckeyes and uh the fighting irish that'll always, be fun
1: that'll be a lot of fun
0: i always love the the woody hayes story you know that that woody hayes uh joke that he considered himself to be notre dame's best recruiter because if he couldn't get a kid to come to ohio state oh yeah He'd talk him into Notre Dame instead of going to
1: Michigan. Right. And then <laughs> so. refuse to play them.
0: <laughs> right. 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 I love it. It was great. Uh, last thing before we close up shop Ohio State uh, bounced back from a, a, a pretty sluggish loss uh, over the weekend and absolutely went uh, wild over Northwestern. EJ Liddell, who had not looked great in his two previous outings after the extensive COVID pause, uh, put in 21 points on eight for 11 shooting. That was the same total he had. And by the way, I should say that's in the first half, the same total he had against Indiana and Nebraska combined. Uh, Really great, really great output from Liddell. Nice to see him back. And then also my God, uh, Malachi Branham,
1: Malachi Branham, baby. What a, what a dude's
0: emerging and it's so fun to watch. It really is having those two guys on the squad at the same time feels like a, a cheat code. Have you, have you been just really enjoying Buckeye basketball uh, here Here with uh, that young, young man exploding onto the scene here in January?
1: It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, you knew EJ was going to want to come out, especially after a couple of mediocre games and just, like, try to light it up. Um, shake off some of that rust. You got Branham who's who's emerging. What if you get Justice Ewing back here in the next two or three weeks, right? Like that would be pretty sick. I, I think this is a team, you know, we talk about that January slump. Well, maybe this is a good time to evolve a little bit in a really positive way. And and so I can almost see Ohio state, like they're not a, they're not a top 10 team right now. They've, they've got some issues, you know, with turnovers and defense isn't always great all the time, but they can still be an incredibly dangerous team when they're operating on all cylinders. And so, I don't know, man. I'm really curious to see um, to see what that looks like at the end of January. See what this team has evolved into. Because they feel like they're changing, but in a really positive way. So, I'm, I'm stoked. I think it's great.
0: And shout out to uh, acting head coach, Jake Diebler, <laughs> yeah. for getting the win. Because Chris Holtman was unavailable to, due to the team's health and safety protocols. That was great. Uh,
1: not it, that, not that Chris Olbermann couldn't be there, but the fact that Jay Tiebler's was like, "All right, well, my team now." Let's get yeah, there.
0: I mean, you imagine being that guy, right? Like you're, you're, you're you get the call from the boss that, "Hey, <laughs> by yeah. the way, yeah, right, exactly." <laughs> now, uh, this, I, I think you, you know, I've talked about the January slump quite a bit. Um, I, this is going to be, I think, a really fun month for for Ohio State's basketball team. They needed mm-hmm. that Northwestern game. They, even though they won the first game out from um, that Nebraska game, that first game after the the pause, um, you could tell, especially with EJ, you know, they missed the conditioning of being in the gym those two weeks. Um, that's a long time to go without playing any ball. And and so you, you could see in Northwestern, they're starting to get their legs back. So just being back at it for a full week, I think was a, a good deal. And they had a lot of good conference play ahead. So we'll talk about that next week and in the weeks to come along with, our reactions to the college football national playoff game and whatever else happens in the sport of football over the next seven days. Uh, we'll look forward to talking about it with you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.